This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. I do want to continue on. Um, obviously, we took a break last week uh, from the series on seasons, but I want to continue on uh, two more weeks. So we'll do today and then next Sunday. But we've been talking about seasons. Our key verse has been Ecclesiastes 3.1. For everything, there's a season, a time for every matter under heaven. And we've been talking about this, about how, you know, somebody mentioned seasons, we immediately think of spring, summer, fall, and winter, right? But when we stop and we examine and look at it, we, we look at the definition of seasons, which means a time characterized by a particular circumstance or feature. When we look at that, we recognize that we all go through seasons in life, right? As a matter of fact, we probably go through hundreds of seasons in our lives. And so on week one, I gave you three facts about seasons. And you, by the way, you can follow along. There should have been a note sheet in your service guide. You can follow along on there. Also, the Bible app, the Uversion Bible app on your mobile device. You can jump in, and the notes are on there too. But um, week one, I gave you three facts about seasons. Number one was that seasons bring change. If there's one thing that we can count on in this life, it's that there will always be change, right? We, we may try to fight it, but we can't stop it. Change is coming one way or the other, Right? Uh, many times we don't tend to like it because it's unusual, different, uncomfortable. Second thing I mentioned was seasons bring challenges. Whatever season you're walking into in life, it may seem like a really good season, but it's going to come with challenges of its own, right? Uh, John 16, Jesus promised that we will encounter troubles of all kinds. So we can't pray that there be no challenges. We can't pray that there be no challenges because it's not God's job to make sure that things go smoothly for us. However, we can count on the fact that he is a God that never changes and we can trust him. And because of him, we can stand firm in the midst of a world that's changing like the waves of the ocean, right? And the last thing, I, they also bring new opportunities. Seasons bring fresh starts. So while seasons bring change, while they bring challenges, they also bring new opportunities. They also bring second chances. They also bring fresh starts. And that's because that's who our God is. Our God is a God of fresh starts. He always brings hope and opportunity into our lives. So then we went into week two. And y'all remember week two, we talked about Abram and Lot, right? We were reading, we, we primarily focused on Genesis chapter 13. And, uh, and I gave you three things that we could learn from Genesis chapter 13 in regards to seasons. Firstly, number one is our attitude is critical to the journey. How many of you add, know that attitude is very important? Attitude will make you or break you, right? And our attitude reveals what's inside of us. We don't have a bad attitude because we had a bad day. We have a bad attitude because that's what's inside of our heart. Second thing I mentioned was, actually I also mentioned that attitude is, is also a choice. We can't always choose what happens to us each day, but we can choose our attitude and how we respond to it. Second thing I mentioned was that when we make choices based in desire and emotion rather than seeking God, things are going to go wrong. And Lot was our example there. He chose from the desire. He chose from his eyes the land that he would choose. He ended up in the city of Sodom. Even then, it was known as the city of sin. What happens? They got, came in, an enemy came in and defeated them, and Lot got taken captive, lost everything that he owned. Abram had to come and save him. What does Lot do? He goes back to Sodom. <laughs> he goes back. God decides he's going to destroy the city this time, and, and for Abram's sake, he saves a lot. But when we make choices without seeking God, things are going to go wrong. And the last thing I mentioned last time was sometimes there has to be a separation to hear from the Lord. So we need to seek the Lord, especially as seasons change. In the midst of all that, we've got to be seeking God and his will, but 
Sometimes there has to be a separation. I gave the example of we see Abram, we see him crying out to the Lord, but it was after he separated from Lot that we actually see the Lord respond. Sometimes there's things in our lives that hinder us from hearing from God. Sometimes there's voices that are louder than the voice of the Lord in our life, and sometimes we've got to bring a separation from those things so that we can seek him and follow him. So, continue on. Part three. Y'all ready? And let me, let me, it's, it's going to be a little different today. Um, uh, you know, I've spent the last two times talking about the seasons in life and such, but um, how many of you would realize that all of us, Shauna and I, are a new season? And um, let me say this, Shauna and I, and I'm sure my parents would agree, we thank everybody that joined us last week. That was, um, that was a special time for us all, and I hope it was for you too. Um, you know, as we celebrate our 20th anniversary and our passing of the golden baton. Um, I want to thank you all for um, all the calls and messages and emails and cards and gift cards and, and everything else um, that, that you guys gave us. Um, uh, there were so many encouraging words, and, uh, and we're so thankful. You guys have truly been gracious to us, to our family, and uh, all the way along, but even through the midst of this. And let me, you know, here's the thing. Transitions like this don't just happen. Uh, Dr. Leon said that before he left the other day. Pastor Fred Bennett said that last week. He said, wow, this doesn't just happen. And we truly believe that God is in the middle of what's going on here, uh, here in our church. Um, how many of you would agree, some of you haven't been here very long, but some of you have been. How many of you would agree that we've come a long way in 20 years? I saw a lot of y'all sitting around watching the pictures, the slideshow that Madison put together last week. Uh, isn't it something to see how far we've come in 20 years? And then that, obviously that's under the leadership of my parents. And, you know, they're still going to be a part, but we look forward to the next 20 years and what God has in store as we continue on. Our best days are not behind us. Our best days are ahead. And we believe that, we believe that God is doing something really special and unique. And we're excited to be a part of it. And I hope you are too. Um, so like I started saying a minute ago, the next couple weeks are going to be a little different. I wanted the first two weeks, I wanted us to talk about, you know, the seasons in life and us to recognize where we're at, where we've come. But uh, today and next week, I want to talk about the next seasons of this church. And um, so if you're a guest with us today, we welcome you. But I will say, um, you know, make yourself comfortable. But this is a little bit more of a family talk. And uh, so, you know, I want you guys to to uh, just um, jump in and, and um, get ready because I, I want to just share a little bit of, of what I believe that God has in store for us as a church and, and what I believe that's going to look like as we move forward. Um, also, know too that last week was not an ending of any kind. It was not the end. It, it was a continuation of something that my parents didn't start, God started. So this is year, 20, day, whatever, as we continue on in what God has for this church. Um, and I believe the Lord has a lot more. Like I said, I, I believe it's not even really new, but just begun to get started. It's continuation. We're not starting over. It's not even really new management. We have one person who manages this church. That's our Lord. Uh, we're simply continuing what was already started. Will there be changes? Of course there'll be changes. There will be. Uh, but that's the nature of seasons, right? It's the nature of seasons. 
And this is a continuation of a work that began 20 years ago. So we talked a bit last week. You know, we, we've said quite a few times, um, we, we've talked about my parents and what role they'll play in this. What does this mean for, for them, for Pastors Bob and Ellen? Again, they're not going anywhere. Still see the front row? Well, it's, it's funny, I've noticed that even when he's not here, nobody sits right there, right? <laughs> nobody, nobody. And there's even a seat next to him for my mom, because nobody knows if she's working in children's class or she's going to be here, so it's left open as well, right? They're not going anywhere. Um, they're going to still be serving the church. Dad's still going to be in the pulpit. And uh, they will both be supporting the ministries of the church and maybe even starting some ministries in the church. We will still benefit from their wisdom and guidance. Who can say praise the Lord? Um, what will change? Well, over the last 19, 19 years, Sean and I have served as assistants and advisors to my parents. Now they will serve as assistants and advisors to us. And let me ask you, what better could we ask for? Is there anything more ideal that you could come up with? Many pastors don't have anybody they can call on for advice or counsel. I would almost say that's the situation more of the time than not. Pastors don't have, they don't feel like there's anybody they can call on, that they can confide in, that they can seek counsel from. It's not the situation here in this church. It's not the situation. Who better than my parents? My parents will remain on the board. They'll remain part of the pastoral management team. They will attend meetings, and they will help make decisions regarding the future of this church. And I know that, uh, I don't know if Dad's mentioned it up here before, but I know that the Lord's placed some books on his heart, and hopefully he will now have the time to begin to put some of those things down. How many of you think that would be an awesome thing? A good thing. So what's going to change? Well, for 20 years, my parents have been the primary visionaries of this church. They've been the ones. They would pray. They would get vision and direction. We would get behind it, make it happen, and follow, right? Obviously, Sean and I now carry that responsibility. We'll be seeking God for direction and the vision, actually. Um, with that in mind, I've been, I've been thinking for quite a while, actually, um, about what I see the purpose of Church of the Harvest to be. We see biblically what the purpose of the church is. The purpose of the church is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, right? But I, and, and we've said before our purpose is to, I don't know which side it is, love God, love people, and serve the world, right? But that's very broad, and that's the purpose for all of us, right? Our purpose in life is to love God, to love people, and serve the world. The great commission, the great commandment, all wrapped in one. But if I was going to be a little more specific, that's what I was working on. What do I see the purpose of Church of the Harvest to be? And here's what I put. And I, I, I'm not putting it in stone. I'm not putting it up on a banner or anything yet. But off, the, off, off my head, as I, as I thought about this and meditate on it, to me, the purpose of Church of the Harvest is to make, grow, and equip followers of Jesus to follow their God-given purpose in life. Church of the Harvest exists to make followers of Jesus, to grow followers of Jesus, and then to equip followers of Jesus to fulfill God's plan for their life. How many of you would say amen? amen. With that in mind, I've been thinking and praying about what that means and what that looks like for our future. And there's three things 
that have been passionate on my heart for the last couple of years that I knew that, that um, were part of what God was calling me to do. Me and Shauna together, um, we, we, both, we both feel this. What, what do we feel most passionate about when it comes to our role in leading in the body of Christ? And so what I did was I, I've put down three main components that, that, uh, that I want us to focus on as a church um, as we continue forward. And I'm going to give the first two this Sunday, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on the last one next Sunday. And so, um, y'all ready for the first one? Number one, number one is discipleship. Everybody say discipleship. Um, how many of you know that God called us to be disciples? Can we agree on that? Though... I feel like discipleship is one of the, in the, in the last, I don't know, in my generation onward, is maybe one of the places where the church hasn't done so well in the, in the, in the church in the U.S. In, the, in this past generation or two. I, I looked up the word disciple, and the dictionary just says a convinced adherent of a school or individual. And that's what I just wrote after that. How would I translate that? I'd say a committed advocate. You know that commitment is hard to find today in people. People are slow to commit to anything. And we see that in the church too. We see in the Bible that Jesus, we see in the Bible where Jesus called the 12 men to be his disciples. And here's what I see when I look at that. I see 12 men that were committed from, man, they were committed from day one. Obviously, they had their failings, right? They were far from perfect, as any of us are. But the moment Jesus called them, they stepped away from everything they knew, and they followed him. That's what I think of when I think of disciple. Here's, here's where I'm at today when I look at the church, especially, you know, I'm not referring to our church individually, but the church in America it, it hurts my heart a bit how many Christians there are in our nation today that are Christians in name only. So statistics will tell you that if you ask the average American, are you a Christian? Like 90-some percent will say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I believe there's so many of those that have no relationship with Jesus. It bothers me. It bothers me how many people, man, I get real, I'll be real frank for a second. It bothers me how many people in the last 20 years of this church have raised their hands to dedicate their hearts to Jesus. And I look back and I see them living lives in sin. I don't see the heart change. Jesus called us to more, He called us to be disciples, committed advocates, supporters, followers of Jesus. There's so many people out there, I believe, that may have attended church their whole life or may just attend church three times a year, Christmas, Easter, and Valentine's banquet. <laughs> and they're convinced that they and Jesus have it all worked out. Guys, this isn't a disciple. Luke 9, 23 as Jesus speaking, he said to all, if anyone would come after me, 
Let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Luke 14, 27, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. I don't know about you guys, but I am so ready for the church. I'm ready for the body of Christ to grow up and step into their God-given destinies. I believe it's time for believers, for followers of Jesus to repent and turn from sin. We, we won't be perfect. We're going to make stupid mistakes just like we see the disciples of Jesus making. But we're committed and we're following, right? I believe it's time for believers to begin to live out the word. It's time for people to finally find satisfaction and security in living out God's will rather than having stuff or being accepted or whatever else it may be, that God be the one where we find our approval. It's time for Christians to grow up. That's all of us. And all of us have a part to play. The church all day long can provide programs for discipleship, but here's the, the second part of it. We've got to be willing to be disciples. We've got to be willing. If people resist, then it doesn't matter what the church itself does. It doesn't matter what programs we have. Nothing's going to happen. And let me, this, this is going to come across real harsh, but here's the reality. If your heart's not surrendered to God, if you're not ready to grow and dedicate your life to him, what's the purpose in this? There's really no purpose in coming to church. There's so many people in church today that have no intention of repenting, have no intention of surrendering their life, have no intention of being a disciple. I feel like if I can slap a church bumper sticker on my car, and if I can repeat a prayer that says, I receive Jesus to come into my heart, then I'm good to go. And the reality is we're playing church. Guys, I don't know about y'all, but <laughs> the time for playing is gone. Time for playing is past. Just look at our society. Look at our culture today. I, I don't need to get off track. <laughs> no more religious games. If we're going to play religious games, we might as well stay home and get some sleep. That's not what we gather together for. The purpose of the church is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Now, I'm talking about the organized corporate church. Each of us individually are the church, right? We should walk into this place every Sunday engaged and ready to go, expecting God to equip us for something that he's got for us this week. We should be saying, God, I know you got something for me because I know there's things you want me to do. We should come in eager and ready. And trust me, God moves wherever there's a hungry heart. If we would dig in and get hungry for God's word again, like maybe we were when we first received him, he would use us in ways that are unimaginable. People ask me why some of these guys, I want to be careful, but say some of these preachers that we've seen on TV that have had these great falls from sin. Actually, we were talking about one the other day. I was telling you all to read his book. Somebody that we had met a number of times and whatever else that released a book recently. Just heartbreaking, the sin that he was in. But these men had great miracles. 
fun doing drugs. They were leading thousands and thousands of Jesus while they were seeing prostitutes and doing drugs. Why? Because it's not about the man or the woman. It's about a hungry heart, and God always moves where there's hungry hearts. So if we want to be disciples, we've got to get hungry again. We've got to want God more than anything else. We want to, we've got to want to draw close. Man, I'm getting off track. <laughs> we should be glad that we're a part of a corporate body where there's people who are not just willing but want to speak into your life. That want to encourage you, that want to correct you, that want to walk with you. That should be exciting. What a blessing. But it's become commonplace for us to get offended and take off and run to the next body of believers to get what we want. Acts 2.42 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayer. They did what? They devoted themselves. John 8, 31, 32 says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Guys, Jesus wants more. He wants to invade your life and turn it upside down. Church of the Harvest needs to be a place of discipleship. That we come here as a training ground to be discipled, to be more devoted followers of Jesus every time we gather together. Jesus wants to turn our life around. That's what he does. I was thinking about, I was thinking about the rich young ruler. Y'all remember the story? Rich young ruler came to Jesus, and here's what we see. Here's what I see. I think he wanted a quick answer. He wanted a formula. He wanted something easy peasy. That's not how Jesus works. Jesus knew something that nobody else there knew. It's funny because sometimes, especially when we don't understand this passage, we'll read this and we'll think that Jesus was a little harsh with this guy, right? Jesus knew something that nobody else knew. He understood that this guy was rich. He had a lot of stuff, right? Jesus was all about what had him. God didn't have stuff. Stuff had him. It was all about what had his heart, what captured his heart. So Jesus spoke to that thing that had him, that had his heart, and said, walk away from that and follow me. Is this making sense? That's a disciple. As when we bump into Jesus and we become a disciple, things change. Your life gets turned upside down. You're never the same. And how many of you agree the church needs much more of this? No more bumper sticker Christianity. Life transformation. Life change. Encounters with Jesus are life altering. That's what we need. We have to be a church that makes disciples. Obviously, if we're going to make disciples, we need to be disciples ourselves. Probably a good thing, right? I just started making a list of things um, that you'll see in your notes there. How do we accomplish this? And I just got thinking again in the vision and purpose of the church, what Church of the Harvest needed to be. And so I just started making a list, and there's probably more things, but these are the things that kind of hit my heart. Number one, I see Church of the Harvest as a place of encounter with God. Whoever walks through the doors of these buildings or even runs into one of our members out and about, wherever they may be in the world, that they would have an encounter with God. Life-altering. Their lives would be turned upside down, never the same. That they would encounter a love that they've never known. The Church of the Harvest would be a place where people can truly meet and know God. The real God. The real Jesus. I'm not talking about the Jesus that our culture has has tried to describe out there today. I'm talking about the real Messiah. 
Church of the Harvest would be a place where people could meet and know him personally. Our church would be a place of love, forgiveness, and compassion. Why? Because that's who Jesus is. Church of the Harvest is a place of encounter with God. Secondly, I see Church of the Harvest is a place of repentance. How many of you know that every great revival of God in history started with God's people repenting? We sit there and we pray and pray for revival. God, bring revival. I see all of them starting where God's people were willing to fall on their faces and say, God, I repent of everything in me that's not with you. And here's the thing. Many people, their, their primary reason for not going to church or being a part of the church is, well, I, I, I'm not ready yet. I, I've, I've got some things in my life I need to take care of. I need to get cleaned up. No, the church is a place of repentance. It's a place where we come and we recognize that none of us have it all together. We recognize that nobody's perfect. We recognize that all of us are in process. Guys, God, like so many of us do every week. Guys, am I the only one that's been guilty of it before? Walking in, acting like you got it all together. Ooh, my church. Hey, praise the Lord. And you just chewed out your wife in the car, right? A place of repentance where we can come together and we can be real. And we can lay down our sin or our baggage at the feet of Jesus. And we can be an encouragement to one another. No, none of this holier than thou mentality. I see Church of the Harvest. Church of the Harvest is a place of freedom, growth, and prosperous life. I want us to provide, obviously, and obviously some of these things, some of them are already doing. I just want to focus. I, I want us to provide opportunities to find freedom from whatever people are walking through in life. Some of you have found that. Some of you have found that through our freedom team. Some of you have found that through our healing center. Some of you have found that through your small group, whatever it may be. But all of us have things we need freedom from. And I want us to step into that. I want Church of the Harvest to be a place where bondages can be broken, walls can be destroyed, and healing can be found. No matter where you're at in life. No matter where you find yourself. A place where you can always find godly counsel and direction. Where you can go as deep as you want to go in God's word. Where you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And walk out a spirit-led life. Where you can begin to walk in the gifts of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit, by the way. Church of the Harvest to be a place of freedom, growth, and the prosperous life. Next, I see Church of the Harvest as a place of stewardship. This has hit me the last few weeks. Stewardship. We think of stewardship and we think of money. We're going to have a stewardship campaign. We're talking about money, right? Guys, here's reality. The Bible tells us that God has given us everything we need to be successful in this life and be everything he's called us to, right? So all those things he's given us to be successful, we're stewards of all those things that he's equipped us with in life. That's what we're stewards of. Sure, money's a little sliver of that, right? But there's a whole lot more. It actually, stewardship in the Bible refers to how we handle anything that God has given us. And I thought about this yesterday. Just like in the parable of the talents, y'all remember that? One day, one day there's going to be a day of accounting in how we stewarded what God gave us in life. 
And some of us are going to be excited because we're going to be like, I gave my tithe. Praise the Lord. My accounting is going to go good. But here's the thing. You realize that you're a steward of your marriage? God gave you your spouse. Stewardship. How would you handle that, that relationship? You realize that our children, we're stewards of our children? We're managers. God gave them to us, and we manage their upbringing, right? Our friendships, our possessions. How about our influence? God gives us influence in our life, a circle of influence. You realize that you're a steward of that? Our talents, our giftings. Here's another one. Our time. God's called us to be stewards of our time. How do you think, how do you think that'll go, that accounting? Here's one that everybody will love. Don't throw any tomatoes at me. How about our bodies? God gave you your body. What a miracle. And there will be a day of accounting where God will say, how did you manage this that I gave you? We are to be good stewards. Stewardship has just been, has been rumbling around in me lately. I've, I've even thought about eventually having a ministry that simply teaches believers, disciples, to be good stewards of what God has given them. Because here's the thing about that. If we're good stewards, that will lead to true success and fulfillment in our lives. If we're good stewards of what God has given us. Moving on. I see Church of the Harvest as a place of discovery. Church of the Harvest would be a place where you can discover your purpose. Every last one of us are here for a reason. God has a plan for your life. People think of that as his ministry plan for life. Of course, we're, there's things he, he wants to use us in in his kingdom. But maybe you're called to be a teacher. Maybe you're called to be a business person. Maybe you are called to be in ministry some, somewhere. But I want Church of the Harvest to be a place where we can recognize the giftings within each person. We can recognize that potential. We can draw on it, cultivate it, and propel forward. I had the image that talked about in the Bible about, about the, putting the arrow in the bow and pulling it backwards, where you can be stretched and grown to be released into what God's called you to. Church of the Harvest will be a place of discovery. See, Church of the Harvest is a place of giving. You say, well, are you talking about money again? Well, I mean, sure, but no. <laughs> when I thought of this, I wasn't. I want Church of the Harvest to be a place where each one of us, we give more than we take. And I'm not talking about within these four walls. We give more than we take in life. That we wouldn't be a people that are consumers, but people who are contributors. That we're always looking around and going, who can I impact? Where can I make a difference? How much can I give? What can I do? Not a church that sits on the sidelines, but a church that is fully engaged in the kingdom, going the extra mile, leaving its mark on our community. Last one I want to mention, I see Church of the Harvest as a place of reproducers. Here's the thing with disciples. Here's one way you can know if you're a disciple. Disciples make disciples. Disciples mature and make more disciples. That each of us, we wouldn't be content with just growing up, but we'd always, always be investing in others. You know, I believe that 
I believe that every day we live, we have a little bit more experience and wisdom, and I believe that we have more responsibility from God. Every day that we live, we have more responsibility to invest in the people that are walking the path behind us in life, walking the path of life. We have responsibility. We're called to be stewards of those that God has placed around us, that we would be a place that is reproducing more disciples. Matthew 28, 18 says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority, heaven and earth, has been given to me. Go therefore and make what? Make disciples. I want Church of the Harvest to be a place of discipleship. This is the, this is the training ground. This is the boot camp. This is the place where we come to, to get, get, get engaged, to learn, to grow, to stretch. This is the place we come to be an encourager, to invest in others, to receive accountability. This is the place that prepares us to do, go and do everything that God's called us to do. Number two, that takes us into the second point. I want Church of the Harvest, number two thing I want to focus on is outreach. Everybody say outreach. outreach. And y'all know this is, this is where my, my series, you know, um, Living Inside Out came from. And it's, it's kind of my theme for the year that we would know who we are in Christ and then we would live that from the inside out. That, that we would be outward focused, not inward focused. Our society today is inward focused. It's all about me, right? I want us to, as, as believers, as followers of Jesus, as part of the church with hearts, I want our arms wide open. Inclusive of all those that God's placed around us. We're called to look beyond ourselves and our desires. And I think that it's time for church of the harvest and the body of Christ in general to start looking outside of our compartmentalized lives. How many of you would admit, you may have walked with Jesus for a long time, but how many of you admit that sometimes you recognize that you're kind of in the Christian bubble? You have a hard time understanding the world, much less going out and embracing them. Like what in the world? The Christian bubble. Nobody here knows what I'm talking about, huh? <laughs> It's time for the church to stop seeing its primary responsibilities within four walls. It was never meant to be that. This was a place that we came together to encourage and to grow, to be trained. But the Christian life is meant to be lived outside of these four walls. If we're truly following Christ, then we should be leaving, leaving our mark on our community. As I hope, I mean, God forbid, anything ever happened to Church of the Harvest. But if we disappeared off the face of the map tomorrow... I hope that we would be missed. That our, our region would say, oh no, what happened? They made such a difference. They were so loving and so caring. They gave themselves and dedicated themselves to us. Or on the other hand, are people going to say, which church is that? <laughs> oh, you know, down 302. Wait, where? We should be leaving our mark on our community. Here's the thing. Jesus, wherever he went, whether he walked into the synagogue or a home or a market, the place was changed. And guess what? We're Jesus. We're Jesus in the earth today, right? No, it's probably a hard statement, but if you don't see Jesus impacting your personal circle, your little world, your family, your home, well, you're probably not keeping up your end of the deal. If we're truly being Jesus, we should see 
our circle of life being changed and transformed. We've got to live the surrendered life. Environment should change just because we were there. How do we accomplish this? Let's go backwards. Discipleship. <laughs> We've got to be discipled and more dedicated to the Lord, right? We've got to get over ourselves, our desires, our agenda, even our sense of what is fair in life. We've got to get over it. We've got to man up and pull our weight in the family. We've got to do our part in the kingdom of God. We've got to step out and start doing the uncomfortable. As a church, I believe we've got to provide opportunities to serve others besides ourselves. We've got to fill, be filled with compassion like Jesus. You know, if you look at every place in the Bible where it says Jesus was filled with compassion, usually it's referring to a person, right? He'd come across somebody and it would say he was filled with compassion. You know what that word compassion means there? It just simply means moved to action. Now, we've all thought we had compassion before because we saw somebody who was hurting or something had happened and we're like, oh, that is so sad. Oh, yeah, I got to get to the work. <laughs> and we're gone, right? That's not compassion. Compassion is being moved to action. You can't just stand there and see this person in this condition. You've got to step in and you've got to do something about it. That's being Jesus. James 1.27 says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit the orphans, the widows and their affliction." Keep oneself unstained from the world. We have got to be a generous people. And I'm not just talking about financially. We've got to be generous, giving of everything that God has given to us. We as a church, we reach so many people, but we could reach many times more. As a church, I want to, we've got to leave our mark on our community. We've got to serve and bless our community. I want us to be there. I want us to show up. When there's a need, I love how, you know, unfortunately I'm having to refer back to like 12 years ago, but when, uh, when that tornado hit Memphis in the Hickory Hill area, did so much damage, and Ron Saldano got together, and he, he got a crowd of people together. And I don't know how many of you were part of that. We went out and, and, uh, we went out and served meals and, and loved people and prayed with people. And I want that to be the mark of Church of the Harvest, that we are where the need is, because that's what we see Jesus doing, right? I want us to feed the hungry, to pray for those in despair, to love on the brokenhearted, give a helping hand to those in need, displaying the love of Jesus. I want us to be a church that's known for reaching the next generation. Guys, this current generation, say what you will about them crazy millennials. Sorry to all you millennials out here. They're leaving the church in droves more than any generation in history. They're abandoning the church. They don't want anything to do with it. We've got to reach them. We've got to reach them. And here's the problem. This goes back to discipleship. I've got to cut them a little slack because they've seen some hypocrisy in the body of Christ. They've seen a lot of word of God preached, but they've seen a little of it walked out. We've got to be disciples. We've got to walk the talk. That's the only way that we're going to reach the next generation. Matthew 5, 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. What I see here is, guys, they're going to see our works. They're going to see the way we live before they hear what we say. 
If we're going to reach others, we've got to truly show with our lives that we are the hands and feet of Jesus. We've got to show his love. We've got to be a godly example to the world around us, walking the talk. We can't just say that we're believers. People are watching our responses and our choices. I think that many times they don't see the difference. In general, when they look, they don't see the difference between the world and the church. So why go through that? If we don't reach this next generation, Sean and I will be the last pastors of Church of the Harvest. Because they are our future. We always say that about our kids, right? They're our future. We're losing the next generation in droves. And we've got to make sure that we're not judging them, that we're accepting them where they're at. I know. They speak a weird language and they got piercings and their whole body's covered in tattoos from head to toe. And, and they're wearing them skinny jeans. But guys, we've got to be patient. We've got to love them. We've got to speak the truth. We've got to speak to the issues at hand. We've got to include them. We won't reach them. We can't wait for people to come to our church. We've got to go to them. Mark 16, 15, you know, Jesus said, going to all the world, preach the gospel, all the creation. We're called to go. I think the church in the U.S. has gotten this idea that we provide a good enough program within our four walls that they'll come to us. I think, I think that's been proven now that that's, that's not right. That's not true. We've got to go to them. We've actually got to do our part in our workplace. Wherever we are, we've got to do our part. These things will give us the opportunity to share the difference that God has made in our lives. And in that moment, what will you say? As we serve people, that's what we see Jesus do. And we see Jesus going and he meets people right where they're at. He doesn't judge. He loves. He meets the needs that they have. And they immediately see the difference. And they want what he's got. And that's the same thing with us. You know, 1 Peter 3.15, you guys have heard this. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make defense to anyone who asks for the reason for the hope that is in you. As you serve and you're the hands and feet of Jesus, people are going to see the difference. They're going to want to be with you. They're going to want to know why you respond the way you do. And in that moment, what do you say? And here's one of the goals that I put down for Church of the Harvest. I want every Church of the Harvest, I want every believer here, part of this body, to be equipped and ready to be used by God. Here's the reality. Here's what I know. Most believers today, if I looked at them and said, what's your testimony? Uh, what, wait, what do you mean? Uh, what, what's, what's God done in your life? Uh, he, Jesus died on the cross. Uh, no, no. What's he done in your life? What's he done in your life? Most believers can't answer that question. It makes me wonder a lot of things. When people ask you, well, why do I need Jesus? I think most believers today would say, because well, uh, uh, he's the son of God. Says who? What do you mean? He died on the cross. How do we answer these questions? When people say, why do I need the church? 
What do we say? I want to follow where it says in 1 Peter 3.15, I want to be every person, every member of Church of the Harvest, to be ready to make a defense when somebody says, what's that within you that I see that's different? I want us to have an answer and be ready to lead people straight to the feet of Jesus. We've got to begin to reach outside of our norm and do it. Be his hands and feet. Over the next year, I want to start taking steps and make this reality. I want every person that walks into this building to have the opportunity to receive Jesus, to become a disciple, to begin to reproduce, reaching out to others, and to begin making more. I want it to be our focus. I believe that, guys, God has big plans for Church of the Harvest. I believe it's bigger than we could ever think, ask, or imagine. But here's the deal. The staff can only do so much. The staff is not Church of the Harvest. Every person who has signed that covenant in class 101 and is committed to being a member of Church of the Harvest, you're Church of the Harvest. And I want us to live out our name. It requires your involvement, your prayers, your time, your money, your talents, your giftings. Everybody, we all have got to do our part and be engaged. We're going to reach people, but we can't do it without you. We're only just getting started and our best days are ahead. So I want our focus to be, and I want your focus to be, that you'd begin examining your life and saying, how can I be more of a disciple of Jesus? I want us to dig in like never before, and I want us to begin looking outside of ourselves. Instead of being inwardly focused, I want us to be more outwardly focused. As a church, I want us, I, like I said a few minutes ago, church programs are great, but I want us to stop examining the program so much and look out around us and say, there's somebody that needs Jesus, and I want us to go after him. Y'all in agreement with that? Come on, y'all agree? And I'm going to continue next week because I'm, I'm out of time. <laughs> uh, but why don't we stand up as we close? I'm going to get the worship team to come up, and we're going we're gonna to end right quick. Guys, our best days are ahead, and I am excited about what the Lord is doing. How many of you are ready for the new season, the next season that God has for us? Before we close, I want to do what we always do. I want us to give an opportunity to receive Jesus. Let's bow our heads right quick. If you are here and you have not surrendered your life to Jesus, I'm talking about being a disciple. Maybe what I said a few minutes ago, maybe it stirred you up. Maybe you have attended church every day since you were born. Maybe not. But you recognize that you're not living that level of commitment I was talking about. Maybe you recognize You've considered yourself a Christian your whole life, but really you've been a Christian in name only. Maybe you felt like because you were baptized when you were six in your grandma's Lutheran church that everything was good. Guys, Jesus wants to invade your life. And when you allow him to, nothing will ever be the same. Real quickly, if you'd bow your heads, if that's you, and you would say, I need to surrender my life today. I need to become that disciple, that committed, devoted follower of Jesus. Whether you've done it before or not, if that's you with every head bowed, lift up your hand and let me see. Yep, who else? Who else? Man, there's two, three. 
anybody else would say, I've got to get things right. We're going to pray a prayer. Please recognize with me that it's not about the prayer. It's about the position of your heart. So set your will right now. And as we pray this prayer, determine within yourself that you're going to become a follower of Jesus, that you're going to become a disciple, that you're going to follow him all the days of your life, that you're going to expand his kingdom, that you're going to allow him to expand your sphere of influence, that you can truly be the hands and feet of Jesus to every person you come in contact with. We're going to pray together, and as we do, the Bible says that if you mean it with all your heart, that you become a new creation. The old has passed away, but the new has come. You'll have the creator of the universe walking with you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for the price he paid. And he did it out of love for me. Today I recognize, but he paid it for me. He gave everything. So today, I give everything to you, Lord. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God that you were crucified in my place, but that you rose again. And now you're my advocate. You're my high priest. You stand before the Father on my behalf. And I thank you. I accept you as my Savior, as the perfect sacrifice. I make you the Lord of my life. I will serve you to the end. Holy Spirit, fill me. Empower me to walk out this life and to be everything you've called me to be. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Y'all give the Lord a hand. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.